I'm Dr. Jay Anders, and this is Tell Me Where It Hurts, where we discuss some of the big challenges in health IT and how we can solve them so clinicians can do what they do best, care for patients. I'd like to welcome everyone to a special edition of Tell Me Where It Hurts, Hymns 23. I had the opportunity to talk to several people at Hymns this year, and the overwhelming topic of discussion was these large language models like ChatGPT, BARD, and others. I had the opportunity to discuss these things and others with Amy Gleason of Russell Street Ventures, Bill Hayes, Chief Medical Officer of CPSI, and Paula Braun from the CDC. I'd like to welcome everyone to uh, the Tell Me Where It Hurts episode from Hymns 23, direct from the show floor. I'm here with Amy Gleason, who's the Chief Product Officer of Russell Street Ventures. Welcome, Amy. Hi, thanks for having me. So tell me, Amy, what, what brings you to Hymns this year? Well, I've been to every single Hymns since 1996, and so I um, obviously like coming to the show since I've been coming for so many years. The main reasons that I came this year are it's great to be able to come and for a few days focus a whole bunch of meetings with companies that are all in one place and you can meet with different, they have usually different subject matter experts in their booth. They can show you things right away. So I'm interested in meeting with a lot of the EMRs to see how they're progressing on interoperability and how they're implementing some of the new standards, um, which ones are connecting into things like care quality and Commonwealth and who has the ability to add workflow into their applications for outside things. And then I'm really interested in talking to a bunch of the new AI companies and understanding how people are starting to use AI and their tools. Um, also, we're interested in how you can use AI on phone calls and to help figure out how scripting is going or escalating issues that might happen on the phone when you're doing telehealth visits. So um, those are some of the things that I'm interested in here. The other big category would be interoperability and the new rules that came out from OMC and really um, spending some time with them to understand a little bit more about those. I haven't had time to pour through them in my busy job, so it's good to be able to go to sessions and hear about that um, and how they're fitting in with all the um, Commonwealth, Perry Quality, Sequoia, and those groups as well. So thinking about AI and, of course, ChatGPT that's been all over the news for a long time, not kind of dominating it, where do you think that's actually going to start to fit in? What do you think it's going to happen? Yeah, I think there's a lot of speculation. I'm not sure I know exactly where it's going, but I think there are certainly some applications that it can help patients be able to more easily access and understand their information. It can help providers um, with differential diagnoses and documentation, uh, finding gaps potentially. Um, I think there's a lot of different applications, but it's just also early. I'm not sure how it'll really come to fruition, if it'll really be real or more just kind of an imagination exploratory concept. Well, some of the things I've been hearing around uh, the show so far is that one of the issues is it's not well-trained, meaning that it takes a whole lot of data from a lot of places, but it really doesn't take data from medicine and real patients and things like that. Is, is that any concern of some of the people that you work with? Yes, I think so, especially since there's always going to be an error rate. And in healthcare, you need that error rate to be really small. Without you know really training it, you might have a, an un, unsustainable error rate. So I think that's certainly a big concern. You know, thinking about your involvement with our federal government and the White House, um, I have noticed that the FDA has started a an exploratory group to look at how OpenAI and other large language model programs will be 
well, not, I won't say regulated. I will say looked at and evaluated. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? I think the government should have some kind of role in that, but I have not been involved in that and don't really have any great idea. But I think the government should at least be setting standards and guidelines, if not regulating, and, and then also experimenting and using things themselves to help guide the market and, and get guardrails around it. So what do you think the biggest splash is going to be here at HIMSS 23? I think there's going to be a lot of chat GPT talk, so I think it'll be interesting to see what that is. Um, I, I'm hoping that this might be the year interoperability is a real thing. <laughs> I've been hoping for it since 1996. So I feel like we've made so much progress, but yet so little progress all at the same time. Um, you know, after working on it and prior prior work in the private sector, going into the government, working on interoperability and coming back to the private sector, you know, it's so exciting to be able to hit, you know, HIEs and commonwealth air quality and get data, but it might just be a CCD when you really need it. Much richer data, um, you know, things like that. So I'm hoping that we're going to keep moving to the next level and, and really get to that nirvana at some point. I'm hoping to see some of that this year. Well, I just had an interview with Amit Trivedi at Hims regarding this particular issue, and he got he was very excited about some of the new standards that are coming out, and hopefully, kind of level the playing field for people in interoperability. You know, my problem is I think there's going to be an issue with who's paying for it and and how it's going to be sourced and transmitted and things like that. But it's, it's yet to be seen. At least the government has decided it's going to have some standards, which I think is the first step. Right, and I mean, I think ONC is doing a fabulous job of continuing to push the bar and driving it forward. It's just taking a lot longer than I would like. And I think there's still a lot of questions around patient access. I think, you know, when patients go to request data from things like uh, Care Quality or Commonwealth or an HIE, a lot of times it's not quite as clear who can get access and what the ways you can release that data are. Um, they're, they're not concerned that the patient hasn't been authenticated and, you know, is this really the patient that's requesting the data? And so I know there's some great work that the Karen Alliance has been doing on digital identity, which I think is a great step forward that can help with some of that. I'm excited to see how that work goes forward too. Well, Amy, thank you for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'd like to uh, welcome again to our, one of our segments of Tell Me Where It Hurts here at HIMSS 23 from the show floor. I've got with me Dr. Bill Hayes, who's the Chief Medical Officer of CPSI. Hi, Bill. How are you doing? I'm great, Jay. Good to see you again. Always good to see you. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about what you're looking for here at HIMSS and what you've seen. Sure. Happy to. Um, I love coming to HIMSS. I've been coming for several years now. Uh, I am always looking for the ideas that will continue. It sounds like a repetitive theory, but an idea that will generate the ability of the healthcare information technology world to truly support the clinical and revenue cycle world in the healthcare delivery. We met you guys as a company, Medicom, some years ago uh, and understood that you saw where what your products and your services and your programming can do to help enhance that. And that's why we partnered together. You're the exact stereotypical idea of a partner that we want as an electronic health records company to drive better healthcare delivery through what you're doing because your understanding and your insight. That's why this industry is so much more than just just electronic health records. It's companies like yourself that help drive the innovation, the standardization, and the use of data. Data is a big word in HIMSS these days, uh, like AI and, and machine learning, but data itself is not what the clinician uses. They use high relative value information. You guys have found ways to bring that to the forefront. 
Let's talk about just a little bit about the AI swing here because, you know, Chad GPT has been all over the news and there's a whole bunch of these large language model engines coming out to do that. How do you, how do you feel that's going to fit in in the future? What, what are you thinking? Here's, here's my thought purely as a clinician. Um, as a practicing physician for many, many years, you know, getting involved in healthcare information technology is that the power is there. We're constantly looking for that power like you guys have, have begun to derive and, and work for. But that being said, ChatGPT definitely will have a place and a function, not a, a current panacea in its current form, okay? Because we talk about artificial intelligence, what we're looking for is like assisted intelligence or augmented intelligence. Because what we see is in version four of ChatGPT is incredible. It does tremendous things, it's a language-based platform, but what we truly want to drive to on the pinnacle of the mountain in the delivery of healthcare and healthcare information technology is the fact that the system has to have some insight and understanding into healthcare itself. And currently, it doesn't have that reliability in the healthcare space. It will learn and it will be taught those things by us and guided by us in models and algorithms to specially sort of fabricate it more specifically on helping us deliver healthcare. It's a universal tool now. I laugh, you know, for a sixth grader who needs some help with a paper, it's awesome. Language-based model through the internet. But for maybe making a differential diagnostic tool or a clinical support mechanism or even a therapeutic recommendation system, it's going to take, and companies I've already seen have begun to realize that if they specifically focus on that type of delivery and improvement of the reliance and the trust of that ability of that augmented intelligence or assisted intelligence, that will be an incredible advancement for us because yourself as a physician, myself as a physician, we will still in the end always make decisions about what's best for patients because that will never be able to be replaced by a machine or by an algorithm or a learned program, if you will. But that's not to say for a minute that I don't think that that can help you and I be much better physicians to our patients who's the ultimate beneficiary of that ability, technology, knowledge, and, and data analysis. I also, I also think there's going to be a lot to be said for health equity and how we can spread technology across places that really doesn't have it right now. Um, so that's that's a great statement. Thanks, Bill. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you. And Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me as always. Always enjoy the conversation and the excitement. Have a great day. Welcome to another edition of Tell Me Where It Hurts here at Hims 23. I'm with Paula Braun, who's the entrepreneur in residence for the Centers for Disease Control. Hi, Paula. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Jay. Happy to be here. Tell me a little bit about what you think the buzz is here and, and what you're thinking, especially as we talk about all these large language models and open AI and chat everything? <laughs> well, I think the real question is, how do you make it work? And the key to making it work is how do you bridge the gap between the old and the new? Because in healthcare, we have so much embeddedness and the things that really matter too often, there's so many hurdles in getting it into the workflow. And I think there's a, a really unprecedented opportunity right now Given where we are with the adoption of open standards and open APIs, given a bolus of information that's pretty much made available ubiqu ubiquitously, how do we begin to bring additional value to that to make sure that people are able to get the information that they need to make the best decision for themselves in coordination with their families, in coordination with their care team that leads to the best outcomes overall? So what I was thinking along the lines several weeks ago actually about how health equity can be impacted by these new models and you know there's always that that conversation of cost 
how you spread it out and where you put it and all of that. Can you talk a little bit about how you think that's going to work in for health equity, the public health division, and people getting care that may not feel like they can confidently get it somewhere else? But tell me a little bit what you think about that. Yeah, no, I, I like that because it really boils down to do the people who need it most have it available to them in a manner that's accessible to them, that they can understand, and that's useful to them. So it's, it's a, a different way of thinking about it. The who is it for is for the end person that it serves, which is all of us, not necessarily the organizational interests that are always at play. And I, I have a lot of hope having walked the halls of the, the showcase here because I'm beginning to see real innovations, particularly around some of these uh, transformer functions that underlie all the buzzwords, right? There's all the currents on top. I mean, there's all the waves on top that come and go every year. We see it you know, every three to five years at a, a big conference like HIMSS. But what are those steady undercurrents? And what are the directions that they're flowing? And I, I think for this one, getting a better understanding of how this approach to thinking about data can be used to help fill some of those gaps where we know the data are sparsely populated. And we can personalize it in a way where you don't have to have a thousand dollar device to run it. You can run it off of the one that you pick up at the big box store that you shop at on a regular basis. I think it's a, a new way of leveling the playing field and bringing everybody up to a particular point that nobody thought was achievable before now. And I firmly believe in that because one of my concerns when it first started to surface, especially in healthcare, it was this replacement. It's going to replace physicians. No. That's, and that's nonsense. Everybody <laughs> started to agree with that. But one of my other concerns is how do you get it to a 30-bed hospital in the middle of Missouri yeah. with eight providers at a cost and a presentation that will actually service that community? Because that is a wholly different model yeah. than, say, a Kaiser or yeah. a Mayo. Yeah. I think it's a couple of different places. I mean, I think you go where, what do they already have? What's the system that's serving them? And where can we plug into that? And how do we make sure the standards are in place so those kinds of integrations can happen? And there's so much of that happens that impacts our health that is beyond the walls of the brick and mortar institution. And so um, if you're, you're getting care at multiple settings, maybe you're getting readings at a grocery store, or maybe you're going to um, certain health clinics, or maybe you're going to certain behavioral care settings, all of that has to come together. And the more that we can do to make sure that all of those data points are captured and accessible on a device that people carry around with them every day or able to be connected in that way and then connected to those smaller facilities that serve their, um, their healthcare needs, that's when it, it starts to change. And so having the standards that can work across and make sure those bits and bytes can talk to each other no matter what device they were collected on or what size server they're stored in that's the, the real opportunity. And I think it's really starting to happen now in ways that nobody thought um, would occur even five or 10 years ago. Um, so I'm encouraged by what I'm seeing. I'd like to see more of it. And I'm just grateful for the opportunity to talk with you and be among the many people interviewed here at HIMSS. Paula, thanks so much. Well, HIMSS 23 is now a wrap. 
It appears that Hims is now getting close to its pre-pandemic levels with about 35,000 plus attendees this year. It was fun to be back in Chicago, where I close to where I grew up and trained in medical school. It was an interesting it was interesting to see all the new technologies that are appearing in healthcare, uh, especially in the realms of home care, home monitoring devices, and how that's all going to integrate in the future. One of the overwhelming things, as we, as we have heard from the guests that I interviewed, was how these large language model generative AI technologies are going to be used in healthcare. It seems that healthcare is always looking for a new, bright, shiny penny to use in its technologies. The usefulness of this is yet to be determined. And one of the people I talked to at HIMSS was Tim O'Connell, who's the CEO of Intelligent, who is a natural language processing company. And I think he stated it best. He said, it's like a child that's yet to be trained adequately. Instead of basing its production on things like Reddit, it really needs to be trained with good, sound medical data, which is starting to appear in the marketplace because of the, the 21st Century Cures Act, which was recently enacted and now is starting to force slash encourage exchange of good, clean clinical data. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens in the future regarding ChatGPT, BARD, and others as far as its place in healthcare. I think the overwhelming consensus of the physicians and clinicians that I talk to at HIMSS is that we need to be cautious with any new technology and how it impacts patient care and patient safety. And I think that is one of the overarching reasons that It'll be slow to roll out and slow to vet. I hope you enjoyed this special edition of Tell Me Where It Hurts. That's all for today. Thanks for listening to Tell Me Where It Hurts. Tune in to Healthcare Now Radio and Podcast Network each month for the latest episode. To learn more about Medicomp Systems, visit our website at www.medicomp.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at MedicompSys or myself at MediComp Doc, or check out the show notes for links. See you next time.